Good morning, everyone. Nice to see you all, and welcome to Goshen Baptist Church. If you're here in person or if you're watching online, also welcome to you, and thank you for joining us. Today we're going to be starting into a series on heavenly-minded, and I'm looking forward to this as we learn what it means to be heavenly-minded. And so we're so glad that you're with us. Uh, after the service today, we do have a congregational meeting as well, as we give you a financial update and a little bit of business we're going to be talking about too. And so we hope that you'll be able to stay for that if you're with us. Uh, we won't be streaming that part online, but for those who are in a congregation, have mentioned it to me, um, I have sent out a link. That link will become live uh, once I email you to let you know it's live as well. Let's open our service in prayer today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can be gathered together as a family of faith. Father, we thank you for these friends and family we thank you for this place where we can gather. And Father, most of all, we thank you for your presence amongst us. Would you pour out your spirit upon us today? May our hearts be attuned to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. morning. Called worship this morning is a responsive reading of 1 John 4, verses 9 to 12 congregation will read the part in yellow. This is how God showed his love among us. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. Dear friends, since God so loved us, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, first hymn this morning is Come Christians, Join to Sing, number 225 in your hymnal. Please stand and sing. We'll start our announcements off with uh, birthdays and anniversaries. This week is Amber Dean's birthday on the 3rd. Happy birthday to Amber. Is there any other birthdays and anniversaries coming up this week that I've missed? All right. This is what family planning does, I guess. All right. That was a joke. Nobody got it? 
thank you. And we have canned laughter now. That's very helpful. I like that. Um, Bible study, uh, we're continuing with our series on Sermon on the Mount. It's been a great time together. Every Thursday morning at 10 o'clock, we have fantastic discussions as we learn together. And if you'd like to join us, you're more than welcome. Sunday mornings, we are wrapping up next week our study of Philippians. Every morning, or every Sunday morning at 9.15, we are studying the book of Philippians, and it's been another great study as well. And so we wrap that up next Sunday, and then the, the Sunday after that will be our fun and fellowship, which for some reason I don't have a slide for. I'm not really sure why. Other than it's possible the fact that I've had not nearly enough sleep in the last two nights, but we'll get back to that later. We'll talk more about that. Today, we have a congregation business meeting after the services I've mentioned, and so we'd love for you to stay. I don't imagine it will be a very long meeting unless we're feeling particularly chatty. Are there any other announcements that need to be brought to our attention today? February 18th, there is a heart entwined devotional that's happening here at the church then, right? And what time is that, Serena? 10 a.m. Okay, great. Thank you very much. I know. <laughs> you know when you're going to receive it, right? February 26th, right. Yeah. I'll try and get it in earlier. I always try, but it seldom actually happens. So, yeah, Serena needs reports for the annual report. So they have to be sent in early so she can collate them. And she uh, adjusts them a little bit so they fit well into our report. And so February 26th, if you have a report that needs to be submitted, if you're not sure, ask Serena. Um, if you want to just write a report on your own for fun and send it to Serena, I'm all behind that. Go for it. Yeah, she loves that sort of thing. Any other announcements that need to be brought to our attention today? All right. I want to thank you for your prayers last week. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's good to see you feeling better, and it's good to see Fred feeling better and joining us and hanging in there at least. And uh, yeah, he's uh, <laughs> literally, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, and so, um, just a reminder as well, of course, the scriptures tell us that God loves a cheerful giver. And so, we can give either through e-transfer or through the plates at the back, but God has called us to give to him. This is an act of worship, as it is an act of our sacrifice, too. So, let's ask God's blessing over the tithes and offerings. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can give to you that we can show our love to you and express it through the giving of our tithes and offerings. Father, we ask that you would bless them and use them for the growing of your kingdom. Help us to be faithful stewards with all that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're now going to sing a chorus in his time. It's found at number 681 in your hymnals. Please stand.
As we continue in our praying for one another, wanted to give you some updates on some people that we've been praying for. I was speaking to Kathy this morning, and she was letting us know that Maddie continues to be progressing, and so uh, we are grateful for this. She's getting time with her therapy horse, which is awesome. And uh, we praise God for his involvement in her life and, and care. Uh, June Chambers is still in the hospital. June uh, has a broken leg, and she's having a tough time in there. So we're not really sure when she's going to be able to get out, but I was in to see her on Friday. And uh, she certainly would, con- would appreciate your continued prayers. She has problems with her one shoulder that if she moves her, her right arm, I think that's left. Yeah, that one. Um, that her left arm, that uh, she can have pain there, and then her one leg now, too. If it moves, it's, it's painful. So she would appreciate the prayers. Um, also, uh, Brenda was telling me that her mom, Joan Moody, that we've been praying for, she's still in hospital in Woodstock and uh, probably looking at a release date. Did you say February 9th, potentially? Might be sooner. Okay. All right. And then um, also Margaret Ennis that we've been praying for is now home. Um, Brenda and Serena let me know about that. And so uh, continued prayers for her and for her family as uh, to get the care that she needs at home, too. And so that's somebody else to be praying for. Continue to pray for uh, Larry's cousin, Kevin Kauk, and uh, the healing with his ankle. Uh, we have Albert Hardiman, who is battling cancer. Jack Hardiman, who has a lot of issues with pain, some other health issues. Uh, Joel Prouse, who is, uh, gosh, every time I forget about it, Joel, you can help me out, though. He is, what's his medical condition again? Is it leukemia he has? Or is that... The form of leukemia, thank you. And he's, he's still, he has been at home for a little bit, but he's having some treatment, but we understand within two weeks he should be having his stem cell. Um, oh, okay. We understand it's sort of being stayed through the neighborhood. So. Thank you, Carrie. Yeah, for sure. So there's a possibility, if you didn't hear, uh, Carrie was saying there's a possibility that Joel will get uh, some uh, stem cell. Um, I forget what that's called, but it was... Thank you, transplant. <laughs> awesome. Where would I be without people to help my poor brain? <laughs> so yes, uh, my, my brain has decided that uh, although I sometimes go to, bre- to bed a little bit early, not to bread, um, is that um, after about quarter after, 20 after, 3 in the morning, we're done. Not sleeping. So that's been not a lot of fun. So today, if something comes out of my mouth that doesn't make any sense, can you do me one little favor? I would really appreciate it and be super grateful. Can you just smile and nod like it actually made sense? Thanks. That would be great. Dwayne also, we're going to be praying for Dwayne as he has a procedure that's coming up on Tuesday, right? So, yeah, we'll keep him in our prayers too. Is there anybody else that we should be praying for or any praise items that you have today that you'd like to share? Thank you. If you didn't hear that, Fred said that uh, thank you for your prayers and calls and concern, and that tomorrow he goes to the mechanic to see if they can fix the old vehicle, meaning him. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, thank you. Yes, Joan. Praise God. Yeah, that's an answer to prayer, isn't it? So if you didn't hear that, uh, Wilson, uh, her husband, had uh, fluid around his heart, pericarditis, and so we were praying for that a while ago, and there's been uh, no permanent damage from that. So praise God indeed. That's, that's wonderful news. Awesome. Very good. Yeah, we continue to pray for our sister churches as well. Um, Hagersville Baptist Church, which is at the far end of our association, also happens to be the home church of Kathy's father, too, which is kind of neat. And so that's our one sister church. Our other sister church is out in Montreal, and that one's through the CBOQ. And we want to continue to lift them up in prayer. So when you see them on the screen, that's your opportunity to do that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer again. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today, and we lift up these friends and loved ones to you. Father, you know the ins and outs of the details of their needs. 
And Father, so we leave them at your feet. We leave them in your care. Father, would you meet their needs, we pray. Father, we also thank you for these wonderful praise items that have been shared with us today. For the way that you have actively shown up and brought healing in different ways. Father, for uh, the upcoming events that are happening for Fred and for Dwayne, we pray that you would be in the midst of that. Guiding the doctors. Providing your peace. Father, we pray for our sister churches today. We pray that you would pour out your spirit amongst them as well. That they would be places of blessing. Places where your name is lifted high. And Father, speak to us today. Open our hearts. Help us to set aside everything else that is on our minds. That we may hear your voice. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. It is nice to have Morley with us today, isn't it? Welcome back. Yeah, I had a nice little visit with him the other day. and Yeah, he didn't have any decaf coffee, but I'm sure he'll fix that for next time. <laughs> Good to see you, Morley. Welcome. Let's stand and sing again as we sing the chorus day by day, or the song day by day. Please stand.
Scripture reading this morning is Matthew 18, verses 1 to 14. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? If he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. In my tiredness, I was enjoying Scott's voice so much, I thought maybe he should just continue. (laughs) Missed you last week. Heavenly Minded. That's the series that we're starting today. And maybe you've heard the expression that some people are so heavenly minded that you've heard it before. They're no earthly good. But did you know that being heavenly minded is actually the very source of all true earthly good? We find that in Jesus. Jesus is the one that teaches us what it means to really be heavenly minded. Today we're talking about the children of God, and the question I want to start with is, who are the children of God? Some people have different ideas as to who the children of God actually are. When we ask people, sometimes people will say, well, we're all children of God. We're all children of God. And that sounds really nice. What does the Bible actually say? Well, let's turn to John 1.12. We keep going back to the Gospel of John. And in here we see the words, To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. There's that expression, children of God. So let's take a look at this. It tells us that there are conditions to becoming children of God. First of all, you have to receive him. You have to believe in his name. And then you can have the right to become children of God. It's not automatic. Not everybody is a child of God. Because if we stop and think about it, we need to have a reality check, don't we? If we look at the world around us today, it's the same as it was in Jesus' day. Where John wrote about those people. So the world was made through him, through Christ. The world did not, in fact, recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own, in fact, did not receive him. John 1, 12, 13, he talks about this. That children of God are those who are born not of natural descent or of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The children of God are those who are born of God. 
Well, let's get back to Matthew. As we've been working our way through the Gospel of Matthew, it's interesting. I have to enjoy how Matthew, one of the disciples, wrote this scene as he described it for those who would read it as it was passed on from place to place, church to church, and down to us. When Matthew wrote it, here's what he said. The disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Well, good old Mark. He's like, hang on a second here. Is that really how it went down? In Mark, he writes it a little bit differently. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus goes to the disciples and he says, what were you arguing about on the road? That's a little bit different, right, than, than them going nicely to Jesus and asking him. Jesus confronted the disciples. What were you arguing about on the road? Well, they're embarrassed, right? They kept quiet because they had argued about who was the greatest. A big difference between the disciples going and asking Jesus and kind of going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who, us, me, arguing? Like, awkward. <laughs> no, couldn't be us. Kind of funny, isn't it? When we look at the Gospel of Matthew, the disciples asked Jesus, who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Hilarious, isn't it? Isn't it funny that they asked him, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus. Who are they asking? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus could have said, you know, his favorite two-word phrase that he says, I am. <laughs> but he didn't. He understood the nature of their question. And so he said to them, truly I tell you, Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, I've been told that I act like a little child a lot, so I should be all set. Is that what he means? To become like little children? Sometimes people get the idea that when we think of little children, we think of how cute they are, right? Yeah, those little children. That's what we want to be like, not old and wrinkly like I am. Oh, that's not what he means either. What does he mean? Does he mean that, oh, we need to become innocent like little children? Or sweet like little children? Are all little children innocent and sweet? Let's be serious for a moment, right? Get one of them that needs a change, a meal, nap, not so sweet or innocent. What does it really mean to become like little children? And Jesus was kind enough to express his thoughts on that too. He says, whoever takes the lowly position of this child. Back in ancient times, children were even more dependent than they, were, than they are today. Back in those days, children were destitute and they were dependent. And if we stop and think about it, little ones today aren't really that different. There are places in the world where they face poverty. When they're really small, when they're really small, what can they do for themselves? Nothing, right? You know, they're cute until you've got to change them. That's not so cute. There's a sweetness about them unless they're screaming in the middle of the night and you're trying to sleep. They're destitute. They're dependent. Some of them are just darn cute, too. That's our son Lucas, our grandson Lucas, with our son Will and his wife Hillary. No, Lucas is no different. He is completely dependent on Will and Hillary for everything. Little ones, they have nothing. They really have nothing that they can give. They need help with everything, right? Teach them how to use a spoon. Show them where the mouth is. Do everything. What did you teach your children when they were really little? Everything, right? Everything. Kid doesn't even know how to walk. I got a defective one. I got to teach him how to do that. How to eat. 
They're pretty good at sleeping on their own sometimes. And what did you do for your children in those days? Everything, right? And that's what good parents do for little ones. They do everything for them at that stage because they need it. Jesus talked about the little ones, the children. When we think about the importance of children to Jesus, it's quite amazing that what he said next, he said, he talked about those who would cause them to stumble. And by that, he might mean to have sin come into their lives in some way, shape, or form. And he said, it would be better if they had a millstone, this gigantic, big, heavy stone, put around their neck, and they were thrown in the bottom of the sea and to cause children to be led into sin. Children should be shielded from sin. Children should be protected from sin. What do we do? How have we fared as parents and grandparents, as aunts and uncles? It's important to us It's important to Jesus, excuse me, about what we expose them to. And about what we allow others to expose them to. Whether that's teaching or things that they're watching. Things that they're thinking about, reading about. We need to protect children. We need to stop and think about what we allow them to access. We need to stop about what we teach and think about what we teach them. Whether that's intentionally directly teaching them, or what we model in our lives. See that you do not think little of these little ones. What do we do for the children in our communities? How do we care for them? How do we nurture them? How do we foster them? How do we protect them? How do we introduce them to Jesus? Because the little ones matter to Jesus. If you will, turn with me to Mark 10, and we're going to take a look at a probably fairly familiar passage found in verses 13 to 16. It's just a reminder of how Jesus felt about children, because in the ancient world, children were not thought much of. People did think little of the little ones. Mark 10, starting at verse 13, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. It's just the way of blessing them. But the disciples rebuked them. When the disciples saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. He blessed them. The little ones matter. Often we can see them as a nuisance, right? Little ankle biters. It's not how Jesus sees children. Let me tell you also why children matter in church. Stop and think about it for a moment. What age were you when you accepted Christ? These statistics are American. They're from 2019. But they ring fairly true for most people. If you look at it, you'll see that 15.1% of the people that they surveyed were under six when they accepted Christ. And then we have over 32% that accepted Christ between the ages of 7 and 11. Almost 37% between the ages of 12 and 19. Only just over 11% between the ages of 20 and 29. And a small little 4.7% after age 30. This is not special statistics. This is not unique to any particular point in time. This is common. At what age did you accept Christ? Maybe you're older, maybe you're younger than the median. But at least 50% accept Christ under the age of 12. Jesus cares about them. 
Oh, that's cute. Or maybe you just see dinner. I'm not sure. It depends on where you're at. Jesus talked about this lamb, this little sheep that gets lost, doesn't he? And talks about the importance of going and finding the lost and bringing them back. It's interesting. You know, he talks about this expression of little ones, and we immediately think about children. But, and it's true that children are important in this case, but little ones can also mean those who had been churched. Those who had, 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 had some experience of church, but then kind of just faded off into the periphery. The little ones who, who knew a little bit of Christ, but not a lot of Christ. It's interesting. If you read the latest translation of the NIV, it gives you a chapter 11 number, but then just a little footnote. It doesn't actually say anything other than when you read the footnote, it says that the same words that are found in Luke 19.10. In some manuscripts, it says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The lost are those who don't know Christ yet, the children. The lost are those who may have been around, but aren't now. Speaking of lost, oh my gosh. Have you ever had a child who was lost? So Will, our son, my beloved son, my favorite son, he was on a trip with students. Was it grade eight or something like that? It's grade eight, so he's young, and somehow he managed to get separated from them at the Eaton Center in Toronto. He got lost on the outside of the building. He wandered around the outside of the whole building and eventually found them. Thank you, Father. He was lost. I heard about it afterwards, but still my heart is just like, <gasps> he's lost, my son. How do we feel about the lost? How do we feel like Jesus feels about the lost? Are we pursuing them like Jesus would pursue the lost? Jesus is called the good shepherd. And like a good shepherd, he wants the lost to be found, like that one lamb that went away. Some of you have been here for just a little while. Some of you have been here for a long time. And when you look around at the pews, you can put faces to some of the lost. Maybe some of the lost are those who have never been in a church to you. shepherd left the 99 on the hills to go and look for the one that wandered off. And maybe when you think about the loss, you think about that, that one or, or two or few that have wandered off. You think about them from time to time. Maybe you pray about them all the time. Did you hear what Scott read for us today? Your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. That's where they're headed right now. They've wandered far. Some of them have been led away by false shepherds, false teaching. Some of them have seen some enticing mirage thinking that that was somehow better than what they could find in Christ. The reality is that they're headed for destruction, either in this life or in eternity, perhaps both. And Peter warned that our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, and they are being chewed up. Lives that are littered with problems. Emptiness, lack of peace. Struggling for meaning. The wolves are howling for the sheep. And we go to the good shepherd and ask for protection, ask that he would draw them back. You know, there are some things, sometimes in our 
in our hurt maybe, in our enthusiasm maybe, that we do some things that we really shouldn't. First of all, don't write them off, ever. No one has wandered so far away that they are beyond the reach of God. Don't put them down. It can be really easy for us in our frustration of what they're doing or not doing that we just say, well, you're just stupid. Yeah, not helpful. Not helpful. And don't give them up. Don't give them up to saints. We need to spend time listening to them. You know, often as Christians, we know the answer, and so because we know the answer, we don't want to hear what they've got to say. We need to listen to their questions. Listen to their concerns. We need to love them like Jesus loved them. We need to lift them up. Sometimes that means we need to pick them up. Grab them by the ear. Hey, you're coming to church with me today. Maybe not by the ear. Right? Sometimes I think that we, we go about it in the wrong way. We... we we're so polite as Canadians sometimes until somebody drops a puck, right? Um, but we're, we're so polite that we say, oh, would you like to come to church? Or if they don't want to come to church, we go, oh, that's fine. If we really care about their salvation, if we really care about them knowing Jesus Christ, if we really think we've got something good in Jesus, say, I want you to come. I'm going to take you. If they don't want to come, they won't come. But just being more proactive in our language, in our attitude, in our approach. It's like the shepherd, right? When they, they go out and they see the sheep, they, they pick them up, and then what do they do? They carry them back. That's our calling, to be shepherds, to pick them up and carry them back. Something else that's really cool. I think in our culture that we forget about this, we think that somehow we have to do it by ourselves. That's a really dumb idea. God didn't make churches of one person. He made them of a team. Work together. Now this, I know, this is going to be brand new news to you. You've probably never heard of this information in your entire life. But children don't always listen to their parents. I mean, I'm sure you all did. You're perfect angels, I know. Children don't always listen to their parents. They might listen to you. You look around at the parents. They need help. They need more than just your prayers. Maybe they need you to go and talk to that kid that you know as well. Maybe they won't listen to their parents, but maybe they'll listen to you because they respect you. Maybe they'll listen to you. Part of my goal, as you know, in this working through the gospel of Matthew is that the entire gospel would be read aloud because scripture is meant to be read aloud. But I want to read this passage not just to make sure we cover all of it. That's part of it. Let's take a look at Matthew 17, 24 to 27 because this is a key piece to me as well. After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. When Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon? He asked. From whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes, from their own children or from others? From others, Peter answered. Then the children are exempt, Jesus said to him. But that we may not cause offense, go to the lake and throw out your line, the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Jesus used this image of royalty in a kingdom, but the temple is about God's kingdom. And the children are the children of God. Jesus did this miracle and gave what was required for the temple tax. 
even though he didn't need to. But Jesus was foreshadowing something else, that he gave his all for the children of the king. For you and for me. For the lost who will be found, but need us to be the shepherds. Since Jesus gave his all for the children of the king, shouldn't we do the same? Remember what Jesus said. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And there are sheep that need to be found, that need to be brought back into the fold. The lost need to be found. And as I was reflecting on that, thought about the 23rd Psalm, the words of the shepherd. Hopefully you can read it. If you can't really read it, you can try and go from memory. But I want us to recite this together as we close this time. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you that you cared enough about us to seek us and to save us. And you call for those who are little children, that they need to know you. They need to know the joy that is found in you, the peace, the security that is found in you, the eternal life that is found in you. Father, for the others that are lost and have simply wandered away, grant us the privilege and the opportunity of bringing them back to you, we pray. We ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Fittingly, our closing hymn is Children of the Heavenly Father, number 719. Please stand as we sing. It's a reminder that we do have our 
little congregational meeting after the service, and we'd love if you can stay. If you need to go, I will meet you at the back door. And so, Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And as Christians, we are little Christs. We are called to be shepherds, to go and seek and save the lost. But we don't have to do it on our own. So lean on one another. Call on one another. Depend on one another as we seek and save the lost. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, lovely. It's been wonderful to have you with us. Yeah. <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. you.